Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you are in the world and tuning in with us. Welcome to the It's Real radio talk show where we keep it real, real talk on real issues. I am so, so excited today because we have a, a phenomenal show for you, and I believe it always to, to be good, and, and our prayer is always to touch your lives and to encourage you to be better in, in all that you do in representing the Lord and just in life and, and um, to be encouraged in your walks because we all deal with issues on a daily basis. But today is very, very, very special to me because of who our special guest is. So I will go into that in a moment in my introduction, but I want my co-host to welcome you all to the show. So the lovely Miss Tanya Clark Roberts, how are you today? How are you, beautiful? Hey, Pastor. Awesome. Well, hello. Awesome. Awesome, Pastor. What a pleasant surprise. For real. And then our funny man himself, Mr. D.L. Henry. Oh, yeah, I'm back. I know y'all missed me last week, but I was stuck in the car like a busted can of biscuits. But I am here this week. Yes, and once again, the devil has not hijacked heaven. God is still in charge, and that's why I'm back. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't it an awesome thing? That's a wonderful, wonderful thing to know. Wonderful thing to know that God is still in charge. And we are so glad that you are back, sir. We always miss you. Tanya be trying to get her funny on, but, you know, it's just not quite the same. Wait, did she say try? <laughs> did, she say, did she say try? I think that we should have our next talk show on self-esteem after this show, okay? <laughs> this is on self-esteem. Now, this funny. is a self-esteem show. This is the one. Okay. But see, you know, one, okay. thing about, one thing about self-esteem is you know how to stay in your lane. <laughs> okay? I know. I know. That's, that's, part, that's part of self-esteem, knowing your lane, getting in it and staying in it, and then you don't have any issues. So we know the comedy is his lane. <laughs> and amen. Amen. <laughs> Ain't nobody amen. mad but the devil. And they ain't still no talking about the devil. Come on with it. Amen. You got that right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, our show today is, as we have let the cat out of the bag, it is dealing with self-mastery and building your, your self-esteem and your self-worth up, but and and determining and discussing the difference in the self-help gurus and books and 
being yourself in who God has created you to be. So I, I don't want to go too deep into it because our guest today, hallelujah, you, you guys have to understand, you see, anytime a child is permitted to introduce their parent, it's always an awesome, awesome experience. And our guest Amen. today is my spiritual father and Tam. So, you know, it, it's just, it's, I'm just oozing because I'm so proud and I'm so happy. But our guest today is Pastor Deontay T. Atkinson from the New Bethany Family Worship Center for All Nations oh, in Las Jesus. Vegas, Nevada. Identity. 
and that identity begins with knowing God. If we don't know God, we will never know who we are. And so many times you find so many people in the body of Christ that are still struggling with identity, that are struggling with their sexuality, that are struggling with so many things. And it's, it's due to the fact that we haven't really learned how to, as Paul said, to master, because mastery speaks of being able to, to, to go to a level where you're not just an expert at something, but you, you've learned through, a, a, learning, uh, through a, adapting to uh, changes and transitions and shifts in your life that you've learned to yield and surrender uh, yourself to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, which is a process. And that process has to also uh, bring with it a progress where we can see the progress of the process. We talk about process so much, but we never really deal with what's the progress of it. What should we be looking for? What we should be, what should we uh, identify with that we can really say, I'm growing in grace, and I'm, and I'm able to, to be found in faith. I'm still there. I'm still holding with a steady hand, and I'm not looking to the right or to the left. But those, but those matters of mastery and self and uh, inner dominion begins with the first of all, it begins with the uh, surrender of humility. Just humbling oneself to the Lord and allowing the Lord Jesus Christ to show us where it's his love. It's his love that we live from because our love will never transform us. It's, our, it's his love for us that transforms us. We can, say many, we can say a lot. We can say many times, I love the Lord, I love the Lord. We repeat it constantly. We should. But we have to understand that it's not our love that transforms us. It's not our love that changes us. It's the love of Jesus. And we surrender to his love. And we, we learn how to be loved because some things, some things have to be unlearned. And we say in Bethany all the time, we have to unlearn what we think we know so we can learn what we don't know. And that's a matter also of self-mastery, where we learn to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt us or he may promote us in due season. And that due season speaks of coming to a place of, of, uh, of, of full growth or where it speaks of sonship, where we're builders of the family's name. And we're able to be entrusted with what God has given us from his own heart through Jesus Christ. So, Pastor, let me ask you a question, because um, we know all over the Internet, all in the bookstores and what have you, I mean, there's a plethora of self-help books, and there's all Mm -hmm. of these self-help gurus and quote-unquote life coaches and all of that trying to um, build our self-esteem. Where What is the difference? Where do we draw the line where, when it comes to self-help of the New Age movement, basically, and self-mastery in getting to know who you are through the eyes of God? What, where, how do we differentiate that? Well, I believe, according to the Word of God, I believe that part of what we see in this season, in this hour of the world, of society, and, and just in, in life general, we see where people are being drawn to the New Age movement and the New Age uh, teachings and doctrines where it's a matter of teaching, I mean, excuse me, it's a matter of fixing oneself. And self can never fix self. That's the problem. I mean, that, that begins with that, and I believe that because some of the teachers have, have credibility to them, but however, but it lacks, it lacks the power in the spirit of the Holy Spirit, the, the power of God. And so when, a, when an individual goes on a quest to try to fix themselves and to adjust themselves, um, they're, they're really going, going into a dead-end street. And the, the bottom line is that there is, no, there is no crime in trying to help oneself. But when we leave God out, when we leave the Lord out of our lives to try to do what only God can do, because our problem is a sin problem. In Christ, that's why he came, that's why he gave his life, that's why he, he surrendered all that he had, which was, was his life, his blood, that we would be able to be engrafted back into God's family, be able to, to be called sons and daughters of, of the Most High. So what we see today is a matter of man trying to, to leave God out of it, to leave God out of the equation so we can find ways ourselves to fix ourselves, and man will never mm-hmm. do that. You know, it would always be a, a matter of just, it's just like a, a, a hamster in a wheel in a cage, just, just spinning the wheel but never really getting anywhere at all, you know. And it's a sad commentary because now you have more churches which, which, are, which are really teaching and preaching, which is called the seeker-friendly gospel, more dangerous than, than the, uh, um, the inclusive gospel. You know, where, where everyone is everyone is considered saved because Christ died for the whole world, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, when you start talking about, you know, fixing yourself because God is giving you that power, but at the same time still leaving God out of it, you know, totally crossing God out, you know. And that's why he gave us, gave us the gift of himself. You know, we need him. We need him to, to, to show us how to really zero in on the things that we need to just lay down at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, I surrender all to you. And all of the books in the world can't fix it. The only book that, is, that has been given unto us is the heart and the mind of God, that's the Bible. Hmm. So, Pastor, tell, I mean, take a person who really doesn't know what love is. 
literally. Um, I mean, we have people that, that grow up and their parents didn't know how to show them love because love was not shown to them. Um, they've been rejected. They, they're coming from a place of hurt and of pain, and they, they're really even having a hard time believing that God loves them. How, do, how does one from that standpoint begin to heal if they don't even know really what's wrong? How, how, do, how mm-hmm. do you guide somebody, you know what I'm saying, to get to that mm-hmm. place of loving themselves? The first thing in anything, I believe, according to the word of the Lord, because I want to be very careful in what I'm saying, so it's not so much what I feel or anything, but it's the word of the Lord. I mean, everything begins with a foundation in life, everything from, from playing a sport. I mean, you have to learn your basics. And what I mean by that is we have to understand that love is a learned thing. And, and many, many of us have never been taught how to love because even some, in, in, our, in some families, in every family, every family has a, a measure of dysfunction which means, you know, you can't get what you never had. And we have to get back to the basics and to the foundational truths and principles of God's word where we begin to understand that God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. And to, and to, to truly, in a pure way, introduce people to the, Lord, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then from that, the Lord gives the wisdom to the one who is, who is mentoring or fathering that individual to help them along by steps. Because it, it takes steps. We, you just don't, you just don't, all of a sudden you get there and you've arrived. You come to the place of fruition. It's, a, it's all a matter of making the right choices, making the right decisions, but being guided in that. We, think we take nothing from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the, the, the chief life coach. However, he uses people to, to, to be put in front of us to show us, because when God wants to teach us, say, for instance, love or faith or a script, he points to a person. He uses his word, of course, as the as the, the basis and the foundation for its premise. But then he points at a person. When he wants to teach his faith, he points to Abraham. But he shows us not just the character of Abraham. He shows us the life and the journey of Abraham. So we begin to see how faith has to be processed. We see the work of faith. We see also the spirit of faith. We see all of those things beginning to be uh, unfolded right before our eyes. And so... For a person that's been wounded and a person that's been broken, the major thing is, first of all, is to be, of course, is to be transparent because no one can boast of having clean hands and say they've never did this or they've never done that or they've never been wounded or hurt. And I believe a lot of times in the church, especially uh, for in, in my in my regard as a pastor and leader, many of us as leaders, we forget that we have to learn how to be human as well. You know, we can't just portray ourselves as being super giants. We have to be, again, those who have that I become all things that all men that I might So there's a matter of knowing that. I, I, don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but you just said something really powerful there. You said that as leaders you have to learn how to be human. Think on that a minute. Mm-hmm. Say that again now. You said that as leaders, as pastors, you have to learn how to be human again, that you're not these super people. How, how do you go about doing that? Because I, I know, I've been blessed because um, my leaders, as you know, are very transparent people. But I've also been in churches where the pastors, the leaders, put themselves up there like they're untouchable and like they've never done anything wrong. Um, mm-hmm. and, and for somebody who's coming from a place of low self-esteem, they feel that they could never measure up to that, that they could never be that one. So how do, how do our leaders learn how to walk in humility, let me put it that way, and transparency so that they can help those that need help? Well, one of the things I, first, I believe first that has to happen is that many of us as leaders have to take, have to take a, an, a self-assessment of ourselves, and, and that is to assess uh, truthfully and purely from the word of the Lord and from the standpoint of the perspective of God. Uh, how, how does God see us in, in respect to being able to be people that, like his son, that we should be reflective of Christ, that Christ was born, his spirit was inviting, even the children were drawn to him. And in this day and time, many, for many leaders, that we, are, we, we separate ourselves because we've been many times been taught that you keep, a, you keep a distance between you and the people because they have to respect you as being a, 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 a figure of authority and all of that, which has its, it, has its, it has its place. But yet, at the same time, we have to learn, we have to be retaught how to be human in the sense that from God's perspective, how to be a spiritual being but yet living in a physical world so that the people that we come in contact with and we cross that path or they cross our path, Whatever it is that God is doing strategically to bring people into a place of uh, recovery and, and restoration, and we don't, we don't, we don't throw away the fact that we're still humans. 
and we understand that we still get tired, like Christ got tired, he became weary. He 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 was he, he at times that that um, he was not say frustrated, but he was he was a little vexed when the disciples were not necessarily being able to grasp what he was giving them. He said, "Have I been with you so long that you still don't know me?" You know, but yet he showed the humanity. He showed, of course, he showed us the divinity, but he showed us the humanity, and we have to go back and have a re a re encounter. I would say a re encounter with Jesus Christ to say, "Well, teach me how to be human again," because sometimes we can become so educated, we become so. So so uh, enamored with all of the things that we do in ministry that sometimes we forget about the Lord of the work, which means we need that intimacy with Him. That, that and through that intimacy, we learn to be we learn to be spiritual. We learn to be human, and so there's a balance. And then I believe that's the major word is that is having a balance. The balance is a learned thing as well. It's a learned thing, and there has to be some some someone that will teach us and guide us in balance, which is that we we can we can we can preach, we can teach, we can do all of those things. But yet we can we can sit down with our children, our grandchildren, and have ice cream cones and enjoy the day, you know, and still be relative, mm-hmm. still be able to connect well with other people because that's one of the the, the um, challenges of of connecting with people that have low self esteem is that they are defensive because if they don't have a sense of worth, a sense of value, so they're in a defense mode most of the time, and so for for in order for us to reach them, especially as leaders, we have to uh, we have to unlearn what we think we know. So we we can learn from Jesus, sit at his feet, and learn what we need to know from the heart of the master. So he's the master. He masters, he's mastered everything, and yet he learned obedience through what he suffered. And I think in that it also is a key because we learn how to suffer through with people. Not necessarily just carrying that load for them, but we suffer. We, we, we have a sense of, of uh, connection and engagement, and it's by choice. It's almost like deliberate communication. You can you can we can communicate in, in many different ways, but then there's something about when we go the extra mile of the way and when we can't reach someone we just keep on trying, we don't give up. That's deliberate. That's intentional. That means that we, we care, we want to reach them, we want to hear their voice, we want to show them love, we want to see how things are going. And I believe that's that's it's the simplicity that, that the church has made so difficult. God never meant for us to learn things in a difficult way. What makes it difficult is when we lean to our own understanding. And we, we, we mm-hmm. as has been said by precious man of God, uh, Mark Sharona, I really respect his ministry. He said, you know, many times we, we do too much to practice our presence that robs us of learning how to practice the presence of God. And we need to get back yeah. to learning what it really means to unlearn us so we can learn us in, in, the, in the perspective of what God has given us. And so when God gives us a perspective, perspective of, or a godly perspective, it's vision. Because vision starts with passion. It starts with a longing and a, and a desire for something. And when we have a desire for something, the Bible says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. If we delight ourselves in him, which means to learn the, the, the art of mastering the presence of the Lord. Well, we practice it by faith. We practice it by faith. Not only just a singing of a, of a, of a, of a great uh, worship song, but just having the melody of life where our, our lives begin to sing. Our lives begin to speak. As I say in Bethany all the time, after we've done all the preaching and all the teaching, our lives must speak louder than our words. Because if our lives don't speak louder than our words, who's going to listen to us? Because the church has done, the church has done a, a terrible job at being relative and being, being people who can connect well with other people in spite of their color, their skin, their, their status quo. It doesn't matter if they've been disenfranchised, disconnected from, from life or society, yet there are people or there's a company of people within a company of people that the Lord has trained himself. The Lord has, mad, the Lord has, has prepared them because they have a, they have a heart that, that, that's, that, that's uh, um, uh, teachable, in me, which is a child's heart, because we have to be like children. Not childish, but childlike, which is teachable and neat. And I believe that's where it begins. It begins with just saying, Lord, show me how, through revelation, through your word, how to learn to be human again. Because sometimes we could become so highfalutin. I'm so highfalutin. You know, we've we got to have all of the, all of the, all of the gimmicks. We've got to have all of the stuff that goes along with all the bells and the whistles so that we feel that we've arrived. But, you know, as long as I'm in this world, I will never get to a place until I see him face to face that I feel I've arrived. I don't want to get to that Amen. place. Amen. Awesome. Pam DL, I've kind of taken over the conversation here with Pastor. You guys have questions? Comments? No. Issues? He's actually just really saying it all. I'm listening so I can learn myself right now because we never get to a place where we can't learn. It's just awesome what he's saying about mastery. 
And you're right, there are so many um, self-help books and things on the Internet now that can take us so many different places that doesn't have God in it. And it seems so Mm. close. The information seems so close that if you did not know God, you would think God is in it. So that's awesome what he's saying right now. That all comes back to what we've been talking about over and over again, that relationship, because we're not perfect. We still make mistakes Mm -hmm. and like you're saying, we just need to learn how to connect um, with God first, and then that's how we learn to connect better with others. So, amen to that. Amen. Yeah. You know what? Let me tell you something. I went to Vegas, and I went to pastor these church. I can listen to this man. I don't even want to say anything because this man has so much wisdom and knowledge. I just want to hear him talk. Because there's so many rich nuggets that he put in there. And let me tell you something about Pastor D. Because I want to say this. He was really one of the men that showed me how you can be cool in Jesus. I mean, even the way he he talks, the way he is, he's just real down to earth. And I'm just saying, you know, I'm just blessed this morning. I, I really, really am. Just to hear the wisdom. Because you know what? He's just... He's so anointed, but so down to earth. So you know what? I'm just, I'm just sitting back. I'm, I'm, I'm just enjoying myself to get these rich nuggets of just, you know, how to be better, how to just, just how to be better, and 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 how to love on God and 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 know your self worth. I just, you know, I just thank God this morning. I'm just, I'm, I'm elated. I'm excited, and I really, rarely. Ever have a loss for words? I just don't. I don't have no. Just talk, Pastor D. Talk, talk. This <laughs> <laughs> is crazy. This is such a such a such a such a blessing to me. Not only to hear my daughter Paulette's voice, but to hear Tanya's voice, and and, and you also, my brother. It, it really blesses me because, you know, I'm at a point in my life right now, and, and even at my own uh, age of 52 and all that, I'm at a place in my life where I understand that the most important thing for me now is I'm looking to the generations because it's not going to be about what, how much money I leave behind and all those things. It's going to be about how well I was able, as the Bible says about David, that when he served his generation, he slept. I don't, I don't believe we should die until we've served, like, served our generation well. And that is my success is not how many buildings I build or how much land we purchase as a church or a, a ministry, but it's how well I poured myself into my sons and my daughters and, and um, to give myself away, you know, and, and uh, it, it blesses me to be in the presence of people that are down to earth just as much as I am because the Bible says iron sharpens iron, you know, and it's a reminder that after all these years, we just celebrated 31 years of pastoring, and one of the things we did on, one of the, on, on all those nights was that we, myself and my wife, we decided and we, we truly uh, longed what we wanted to do was to be a blessing to other churches that came and to let them know that not that we've reached that place where we want to be, we haven't built the building, we we're in the process of doing that, but yet to let them know after 31 years of ministry that no matter what, you, what you're going through right now, that God himself is on your side, and God wants you to succeed, he wants you to prosper, but at the same time, it's a learning process where God has to develop his leaders. You know, and one of the things that keeps a leader grounded, I believe, is when we're able to know that in everything that we do, I don't care if it's in the church building or at home, that we still have a connection with Jesus Christ, and we want we want that to be our number one priority in life. And I believe that that's what keeps a person humble. That's what keeps a person at a place where they can't they they don't believe in their own press. They don't they don't self promote to the point where there's got to be about them. It's, it's, they're always mindful of the fact that I am what I am by the grace of God, and that is Amen. that's that's word. I am what I am by the grace. I've come in contact with so many men and women of God over the years that have been arrogant and pompous and so high and high-minded that there is no that there is no resemblance to Jesus at all. They may, they may walk in the gifts, they may walk in the in the different giftings that the Holy Spirit gives, but yet they lack the true character of Jesus Christ. You can be anointed, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have the character, you know, because the anointing can take you there, but character is going to keep you. You know, Amen. and to have character that's been that's been tested, that's been found true, that's gone through the crucible, you know, because part of self mastery really is allowing the Lord to process you like He processed the Josephs of life, that is, He processes the 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 Esthers of life. Those who've gone through a process, you notice that both of those individuals, Joseph and Esther, they went through a process. 
they went through a long process where they were literally, not say just say torn down, but they were brought to a place of of abasement. They were they were obeyed. They they brought they were brought as low as they could go, and yet in that in that they had to in order for them to go high, it determined it was determined by how low they were able to go, or they would be willing to be brought to that like set level. And I I believe a lot of people today don't want to go low because, you know, until I give up, I can't go up. If I don't give up, if I don't give in, in other words, it's not about how much of Jesus I can get. The real question is how much of me can Jesus get? Because I have Christ in my life. I know that you all have him in your life as well. It's not a matter of getting more of God. You know, we have so many songs saying more of you, more of you, more of you, oh Lord. But, but I believe the heartbeat of God is no, no, my children. It's more, of, it's more of you I need. It's more of you I need, you know. And self-mastery, it shouldn't be a difficult thing. It's just a matter of what's simple. And what it means is, is, to, is to, to experience continual encounters with Jesus Christ so that when we begin to walk outside of the four walls of a, of a church place, church building, so to speak, facility or whatever, that we know what it means to know that he is with us, that he himself has put his word, he has put his word up. He's gone out on a limb to say, if one jot or one tittle of my word would fail, all heaven and earth would pass away. He's willing to ransom the earth and the heavens for his word. And that means that whatever God has said, he stands behind. He said, my word and my name are exalted, but my word is exalted above my name. And my name itself, is, 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 it, holds, it holds worth because of my word. If a man doesn't have a word, Oh, he doesn't have a, he's not a man of his word. His name doesn't mean anything, you know. And self-esteem is something that, that comes with identity, which isn't because identity starts with name, because the name speaks of, of the character, speaks of the authority, it speaks of, of the fact that what Adam did when God gave him the job of naming all those animals. That was speaking of dominion, and that's something that's been missing in the body of Christ. We need to come back to a place where we start not, say, renaming God's people, but letting them know that the seal of the Holy Spirit is upon them and that God himself has written his name on them and that nobody can change that. No matter how and what they've come through, sexual molestation, uh, rape, uh, uh, abandonment, you name it. Because much of what, the, what, we, what you're discussing on this, on this, in this session is about um, uh, the low self-esteem and how some of it has come about, how there's a root for all of it. You know, and the root of it is, is that it's a, it's a seed of the enemy. That seed, that the seed that he planted m- many years ago in the lives of people, and they, and, the, and that his his strategy was was uh, progressive to the point that he wanted and still wants to keep people away from the answers that will that will give them liberty and give them life. The Bible says in Saint John eight, I believe that's yes eight thirty and thirty one. It says. If you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, the key there is not, the key there is continuing, continuing. Mm. And part of the, part of the, the challenge of low self esteem is is that there's always a feeling of failure because you have no confidence in yourself. You have no confidence in who you are, and also who God made you to be. You know, having God's perspective is, is sometimes the thing that Satan wants to keep every believer from knowing. Satan doesn't want us to have God's perspective because what you're left with is your own. And if, if we're left with our own perspective, without God's, without God's perspective, we're going to always side, side with ourselves. We're going to go with what we want to do. That's something I always mention in New Bethany all the time to the people, and I say, and this is what the Lord gave me a long time ago. He said to me, and I said to them, and I'm saying it to you all. He says, as long as we have options and alternatives, we will always find ourselves choosing to compromise. But if we let Christ be the only option and the only alternative that we have, we will find ourselves having less compromise in our life, and we will always go with God. Deep. Because That's deep right there. Many times, many times people lose, lose grounding, they lose faith because of the fact that there's, there's, there's not a lot of believers around today <clears throat> that will help you up when you've fallen down. There are not too many of them. They're not too many. And so with that also, that comes that, that, that challenge of people learning to trust not only God, but learning to trust his people. You know, if you've been hurt by people all your life, eventually you're going to say, you know, that's, I've had it with people. I'm going to stick with me and God. You can understand why there's so many mm-hmm. renegades in the body of Christ today. 
You can understand why there's so many people that are that are out there on their own. There, there's no covering. There's no. They don't have a father. They don't have a mother. They don't have any apostolic uh, covering over their life, and so they're just going on what they believe, what they feel. And, and many times, they're not. It's not that they're doing the wrong thing. It's the point that their their perspective hasn't been challenged because it takes someone to challenge you in what you see. It takes someone to say to you, "There is, as the Bible says, there is a more excellent way." And now, now, let me show you that. You know. But you have to first, you have to first, first peel away all the layers in love, and show them that these layers have to be stripped away, so we can get to the root of the problem, so we can get to the root of this thing, and we can kill it. But we can't kill what we can't see, you know. And so for the for that reason, I've said so much. I, I'm not. I forgot what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but it was all good. It was all good. Yeah. I, I, I do. <laughs> Hey man, I'm like DL. It's like you know, we just be quiet and just let you go. It's true. Um, but I do That's have a question about something it. that you just touched on. <laughs> about something you just touched on. All the renegades out here, and some of them are wounded. They're renegades because they're wounded. Um, and and they again, it, it goes back to that self worth situation. Yes. How does how does the lack of knowledge, let me put it that way, the lack of knowledge of the true purpose of Christ in your life play into that. And when I speak on that, because so many people are still caught up in religion that they don't know anything about relationship. They're so caught mm-hmm. up in church. They know nothing about kingdom. And and truly, when you get a revelation and a clear understanding, it changes your perspective. It changes your perspective of why you were called to be. You know, why Mm -hmm. you are a being, you know, called to do something and called to a destiny. So just kind of touch on that, Pastor, because you are a kingdom man, and a lot of people don't really understand. Kingdom has become the new buzzword, but people are using it and not understanding it. It's just out there. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's sad because kingdom itself is like many other things. It's a fad for a day. And the the dynamic dynamic and the... the, um, the concept of kingdom begins with understanding that there's no kingdom without a king and that the king himself, which is God himself, which is the king over the universe, not just king over the earth, not just king over us, but he's king over everything, and that he himself has established a culture of the kingdom. Because the culture, our culture, we're black. So we have, the culture means what we eat, what we like to wear, how we like to behave, how we like to dance, all of that. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of times you find that people leave churches because they don't understand the culture of that church, why they do what they do. But kingdom is not it's not black, it's not white, it's not male, it's not female, it's kingdom. And so there's a there is a, a element of dominion that is not just the being uh able to master and to rule over things, but it means that you have a, a sense a sense of deep perspective and a, and an insight because you're learning to you've learned by Christ and by the word to, to see from the inside out. And what I mean by that is the Bible says that greater is he that is within us than he that is within the world. And part of the kingdom, the kingdom message is, is being able to see, which is the unseeing means altogether perception. What do I know? What do I know? So you have a lot of people who have not been, they have not been trained, they have been taught, they haven't been um, challenged in, in ministry, they haven't been challenged as far as knowing the difference between their calling and their assignment. Because your assignments will always change. Your roles, that's what assignments, roles that, that God will call it, that brings it to your life. But your calling will never change. Because initially your first calling is to God. It's not to church. It's not, it's not to ministry, to minister the word and preach and teach. It's to him first. The second part of your calling is that you're called to be, identity. Then you're called to do, and then you're called to reproduce. So you have a lot of people that have not been, have not been walked through these, these I, I would call them, Phases, you know, phases and stages of growth. Because the the heart of a person, God looks at the heart, which means also that He looks at the stage of where you are, not your age. Pastor, I don't mean to cut you off. Could you please repeat that again? Those those steps, please. Just because I didn't need to hear that again. About yes, yes, sir. We're called to God. When people talk about calling. Calling is is, is, is is broad. It's not just narrow to I will call, I will, God called me to preach. No. The Bible says in Mark Mark 3 and 13 that when Jesus was on the mountain, he called up to himself those whom he wanted. 
and he ordained them to be with him, that he might send them, that they might cast out things, so forth and so on. Which my point is this. First, he calls you to himself. He calls you to himself. He doesn't call you. He doesn't call God. does not call us and send us, and then he'll directly just send us to preach and teach and all that, to set up ministry. No, he doesn't do that. That's, that's, not, that's out of order. And then the second initial part of the, uh, of the process of calling is you're called to be identity. And a lot of people don't know who they are. They don't know. They don't. They don't. They don't have a point of reference from from the, from a, a spiritual DNA uh, standpoint. My DNA. I know my mother and my father. I have that DNA, but my spiritual DNA is from my father died. So my identity. When I know my identity in Him, there are things that just won't bother me more anymore like they used to because I know who I come from. I know who my daddy is. And I need to learn how to act like my daddy and speak like my father. Third, Amen. We're called, we're called to do. Then, because I've been called to him, and, I've understand, and I understand, I have a sense of understanding about relationship and intimacy with my father. Second, he, he calls me to know who I am or to be. I'm not a human doing, I'm a human being. I have to learn how to be who I be. Third, I'm called to do. Now I can go and do ministry. Now I can, because now I have a foundational premise. I have, I, have, I have a foundation that has no cracks and no gaps in it because I started with him, and then in him I know me because if I don't know him, I won't know me. Fourth, then I'm called to reproduce, to bring forth after my own kind. So renegades are those who most of them, most of them, have started somewhere along the line. They may have started out right, but... Something that the enemy used that I may not know altogether what it could have been. It could have been just church hurt. It could have been all kinds of things that caused them to see that I can't do it with people. Even though ministry is about people, I don't want to deal with people. Well, how do you do ministry when you don't want to deal with people? Really? You know, and it's a sad commentary, but it's a fact. You know, and a lot of people, a lot of people, or you find most people in the body of Christ are introverted because of, because of the fact, not by just by nature, but because of hurt. Church hurt. Church hurt is the worst hurt to get over than any hurt in the world. I don't care what nobody says. Mm-hmm. Church hurt yeah, is the church. worst hurt because wherever you go, you're going to be looking for somebody to hurt you because you know it's yeah. coming. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're on pins and needles. You're, you're braced yourself. You're, you're poised to be hurt instead of poised to love. You know, in spite of the fact I know people are going to hurt me, but I've been given, I've been given a command and a mandate to love them no matter what. You know, so... So, so I, the, the renegade, I think church hurt is so bad because, I'm sorry, but I think that church hurt is so bad because people come into the church vulnerable. They're open. Oh, they're yeah. hurting. Yeah. And, and they think they're coming out to a safe haven. And when yeah. that safe haven turns around and hurts them, I think that's yeah. just totally devastating. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. Yes, it is. I agree. And one of the major reasons why because you have you have hurting people Hurting people who are sick people trying to minister to sick people and hurting people. Hmm. Yes, because the healing, the healing, the healing, the healing waters of the healing oil of the Lord and the, and the flow of His Spirit, it hasn't touched the pulpit. So you have a lot of hmm. pastors and leaders in roles as apostles and prophets and evangelists and, and pastors and teachers who themselves have not been healed. That's who deep. That's deep prophet. right there. So they don't. You can't get what you never had. So many of them, they they preach and teach out of hurt. They preach out of, preach out of anger and pain and frustration. The worst thing to do is to stand in the pulpit and throw stones. And what I you're see. really doing, you're 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 you you're, I've been there before. I've been there before. When you when you're frustrated with the church and you're frustrated with the growth or whatever, and so you feel that the thing to do is to is you don't think that you're doing it, but you are. You're beating people up. God has sent us to beat the sheep. He sent us to lead the sheep. Mm-hmm. You know, not to fleece the sheep, not to rape the sheep, but to to lead the sheep. You know. But if you don't know that you yourself need healing, and you've ignored it and you've suppressed it for so long. Then what you're gonna do? You're gonna become someone that's not gonna you're not gonna lead them. You're gonna become a cowboy. You're gonna drive. Jesus said, "Take my yoke upon you." He didn't say, "Take my rope upon you." He said, "Take my yoke, wow. my rope." That's, I've never heard it like that way before. Rather, where you you're instead of leading, you're driving. Like you said, you become a cowboy, like you're driving cattle. 
as opposed to leading sheep. That's that's very, very profound. I, I've never heard it put that way before. And when you think about it, when you think about it, the court, that, that it, it trickles down because what's on the head comes, it, it comes down to the search of the garment of, the, of that of that person. In other words, as a priest goes, the people go. So you have those right. under that leader's leadership that they they have they carry the same spirit. So you find there's an abuse of the people. There's a there's a mishandling and a mismanagement of the people. You know, and that's that's mm-hmm. also due to low self esteem. Because those, because one of the one of the traits of low self esteem is that it causes insecurities. Mm-hmm. And when people live out of a secure, uh, uh, insecure uh, mindset, they do a lot of things that is really out of the character of Jesus Christ, but they don't know it. They don't see it because it's, it's natural to them. What's natural to them is strange for you and me, but to them it's natural. That's common. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is the usual, you know. Let me ask but you a question. Is, How do you yes. – I'm sorry. Go, no, ahead. No, go, ahead. go ahead. Finish your thought. But my question is this: How do you, how do you um, come into that place? Okay, you're 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 in the place of learning about self mastery, and the more you learn of who you are in God, it builds your confidence as a human being, as a person, and even in your call. How do you to how do you incorporate? Um, that humility aspect of it because, you know, I've seen people that they begin to believe the hype, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a difference in conceit and confidence, you know? Yes. Um, yes. You can, yes. I, I know so I can speak for myself. People will look at me and think I'm maybe a little cocky, but I'm I'm really not. Um, because I know my own flaws, so I, I realize who I am. But at the same time, I'm very confident in who I am because I'm confident in the Lord and the God that lives within me and who I'm, I serve. But how do you bring that, that humility into place in your confidence? Well, you know, you know, um, according to the bottom line, I believe myself, I believe according to what the Bible says, uh, John, the revelator said in Second and 3rd John, he said, his greatest joy that he had was to hear that his children remained in the truth. And mm-hmm. truth is not what it is, it's who it is. Jesus said, I am mm-hmm. the way, the truth, and the life. We've been taught so long to learn what. We haven't been, trying, we haven't been taught but to learn how to learn who. Jesus said, take my yoke mm-hmm. upon you and learn me. You know, and, and, and to learn of him means to learn his character. And so a person mm-hmm. has to make a decision. Now, if Christ was humble and meek, doesn't mean he was weak. What that means is that he right. that meekness and, 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 and humility are, are somewhat synonymous together, but they're different. But meekness speaks of strength under control. That you have the best self master. That you have that you have all this power, you have all this these talents, you have all these strengths, but you, but they don't control you. You can mm-hmm. be angry but you don't sin. You can be yeah. happy and you don't make a decision. You should never make a decision when you're emotional anyway. And most of us do. Mm-hmm. But but self mastery means that even when I'm emotional the Bible says that a wise man, a wise man will listen more because that's why God gave us two ears to listen to Paul's heart and one mouth to talk twice as less. So we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't um, necessarily we don't um, cause what we're trying to do to be, become miscarried or aborted because we just don't want to walk in humility. But sometimes the challenge is because we have been hurt and because we have been humbled. We begin to feel, we begin to, to uh, believe the lie of the enemy that humility doesn't pay. There's no payoff for being humble. So why should I That's humble deep. When I'm humble, people are going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. That's deep. So I have That's to defend deep. myself. I have to stand up and let people know and get them straight and let them know that I'm not mm-hmm. having it. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's un- that, that has its place sometimes, sometimes. But even then, it shouldn't lack tact and it shouldn't lack diplomacy. Because one of the things I can say about humble people, not all, but most humble people, they're very, they very—they think before they say things. They don't just say whatever they're going to say. They just they think about it, especially if it's a godly humility. Because all humility is not godly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Some of it's perpetration. It's, 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 it's preaching. It's not real. It's a, it's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a hidden agenda behind it. But genuine humility, Christ-like humility, is a humility that is earned, that is continually process is continually growing because they want it. They understand that there is a payoff for it. They see it. They experience it. They're encountering it. Because one of the keys to the kingdom is humility. Mm-hmm. 
One of the keys that unlocks so many things because you can't walk in space if you're not humble. That's deep. That's deep. You can be hard. You can be. You can be bold and all that and, and courageous and stuff. But if you're not walking because the Bible says in Galatians five and six that faith worketh by love. Faith can't even operate right, operate properly if it's not grounded in love. You know, and humi- humility is a byproduct of love. It really is. It's not. It's not. It's not just being soft and passive. It's being. As the Bible says in, in Psalms forty six and ten, be still and know that I'm. They'll know that I'm God. In other words, right. stop wrestling with you. You know, and learn that I'm God. Stop wrestling over your struggles. Stop wrestling over your your inadequacies and your and your frailties and your weaknesses. And understand that I am your God. You know, and I'm. I'm I, I called you. I called you. I didn't call the qualified. I didn't call those who already have. You know, Pastor, I called those who don't have. That's, that's sometimes that's a difficult situation because I think we wrestle more with ourselves than we do with anybody, with the enemy and anybody yeah. else. Um, so it, it's kind of how do you stop wrestling with yourself? I mean, there's always in the back of your mind, there's always those doubt factors that, that, come in that say that, you know, uh, well, you should have did it this way or you should have did it that way or, you know, they they have this impression of you because you did that or what have you, which also speaks to your low self-esteem because you feel like, well, um, that I'm, I'm this bad person, especially if somebody has always told me that I wasn't going to be anything or I wasn't going to mount anything. And then you go, like I said, in that wrestling mode against yourself. How do you... Take control of that. Well, one thing I must say, I'm, I still, I still wrestle. I still have my times of struggle, but I believe that okay. it goes along again with um, a willingness to unlearn what I think I knew and what I felt I felt I knew, so that I might learn what I don't know, and then to know that God places people in your life. The Bible says in, in Isaiah 30, it talks about how that you will hear a voice behind you saying, "This is the way walk therein," and then mm-hmm. suddenly your mm-hmm. teachers will appear. In other words, when the student is ready the teacher shall appear. Because of our resistance sometimes to grow, because of the challenges, because the more you learn, the more you know, the more you're going to be held responsible and accountable for it. So sometimes there's a, there's a fear of growing. But when we're honest, we know that we still have our struggles. You know, um, We're still learning how to yield our will to his will. In other words, I say to, say to our people, Bethany, all the time, we must learn to worship God with our will. I will to will God's will in my life. And that's that's an ongoing work. That's an ongoing work. That's not something that just begins and all of a sudden you get to the play, okay, it's done. You know, like Paul said, not that I've reached perfection, not that I've obtained it, but this one thing I do forget those things which are behind. Because that's one of the greatest marks of maturity in the spirit and faith and the word, you name it. It's when we can say, forgetting those things which are behind. I press forward. I look now to, the, to what's ahead of me. You know, in other words, every now and then, even if I do look back, now I can redefine what I see because now when I look back and I see, I see God. Even in some of my mistakes and some of my blunders and some of my intentional blatant sin or whatever you want to call it, it caused me some problems, it caused me some mishaps, it caused me some very, very shameful things and results and consequences. Now I can look back and redefine what I see by faith and still I can look forward by faith and say, Lord, thank you that you're showing me how to walk this out. And that's the key. It has to be walked out. It has to be walked out. I don't believe anyone other than Jesus when he walked this earth was the only one. But even the Bible says for him, he learned obedience by what he suffered. He learned. Mm-hmm. He experienced. He tasted. He was God. He's God. But yet he chose to taste it for our sake. So he would become our perfect example of the process of our life, how we are processed, you know, as fine gold, as Peter said, that, that, that the trying and the testing of your faith is more precious than gold because it has a greater eternal value. Gold is perishable, but your soul and your spirit is not. In a sense that even, in, even if we're not going to go to heaven because we reject Christ, still our soul and our spirit will live, will, will live eternally. They will be in a Christless mm-hmm. place, you know. So I, I just believe mm-hmm. that, that the, the struggles are there because without struggle, without challenge, we don't grow. We don't grow. We really don't. Without some pressure, because you'll never know what you're made out of until the right amount of pressure 
is placed upon you strategically by the loving hands of God. Because a lot of times we want to pick and choose what we want to go through. And I'm so glad we can't do that. Only thing we can pick and choose Amen. is how we go through it. But we can't pick and choose what we go through. We can only decide now within our heart of hearts how I'm gonna what's what's gonna be the, the poise and the posture of my attitude. You know. How I'm gonna deal with this and still keep a godly attitude about it and treat people the way I want to be treated and not flash and not not act out of character and say things that I got to go back and say you know I you know I, I apologize for saying that but you begin to walk it out you see it you see yourself and you say you know what I've learned from that I'm not repeating that no more. I'm not revisiting that no more Amen you know because it's I think that's part of our biggest struggle <laughs> you yeah, know because yeah. I mean it it's just it's human nature to want to retaliate you know when, when something Absolutely. is done to you or said. Or whatever, you know, your first thought is, you know, I got to get that person straight or just wait, I'm going to get you or what have you. So it, it's, it's mm-hmm. a difficult thing. Um, that, that's self-mastery in itself. That's <laughs> self-mastery yeah. in itself. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> okay, I'm but not going to do what I want to do to you. <laughs> but, part of being, but part of being a person that walks in self-mastery is understanding the, 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 the true measure and the, and the premise of wisdom. Wisdom, godly wisdom, is rightly applying knowledge, which is what you know and what you understand. And knowing and, and, mm-hmm. and applying it means in, in the time, there's a time. In other words, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that for everything under the sun, there's a reason, there's a purpose. So there's a time mm-hmm. to be quiet. There's a time to talk, which is wisdom. There's a time to do mm-hmm. this. There's a time to do that. That's wisdom. When you know you're dealing with a fool, and you know they're a fool, Wisdom right. says, don't reply. Don't waste your words. Don't answer a fool. The Bible warns against it constantly. Mm-hmm. Don't answer a fool. You know, and because it, it's being able to know the time, the time, as the Bible says in um, First First Chronicles uh, twelve and thirty-two, is a car knew the seasons that they were in, and they knew what mm-hmm. ought to be done. Mm-hmm. That's wisdom. Amen. You know, that's another description that's of God. The wisdom takes. Which has to be a part of self management. You know, so, Pastor, we're down to the last three and a half minutes of the show. I, I would really love for you to take this time just to speak into the hearts and the spirits of people that are listening that have heard all you said and what have you, but they're still going, Yeah, but I don't love myself, or I just mm. don't know how um, to build myself back up. Just speak to their their, their spirits. Um, from your heart. Yes. For those of you who listen to this broadcast, and again, I thank God for the host and, of course, for my precious daughter, uh, Elder Corlett, uh, for this opportunity to be able to, to impart something into your life. As, Pete, as Paul said in, in first in the first chapter of uh, Romans, he said that in the 11th verse, that my desire that when I come to that I might impart some special gift to you. And what I want to impart to you right now by the authority of God's word, is the fact of knowing that we've all began wrong. We all started out wrong. We all started out marred. We all started out as the clay that was mentioned in Isaiah, excuse me, in Jeremiah eighteen one and those verses that followed that it said that, that he saw that the work that was being worked on the wheel by the potter, that the clay in the hands of the potter was ruined or it was marred. We've all been marred. But the, but the hope that we have is an eternal hope of Christ Jesus. That that I don't know where you are, I don't know what you're stepping through, walking through but I do know this, that God has a plan for your life, according to Jeremiah 29 and 11, that what he has planned for you, his plans, his purposes, and his intentions is to give you a good future. And his intentions are not even good. And to know that God has begun a good work in you in spite of what you feel, in spite of what you've been through, and you're going to go through some things. I'm not going to sit there and lie to you and say, well, you know, we have to be prayer, prayer through this. It's all over. No, no, it's ongoing. But to know that the Lord has made a promise. There's so many promises in the word of the Lord, but the one promise that stands out in my life and in my ministry and my and my whole walk with God, and I want to give it to you, is when Jesus himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I will be with you even to the end of the world. And that means the end of the world is not just the end of the age when the world itself is over, but for every struggle and every problem you go to, to the end of that. And then when you come to the end of yourself in that, he will be with you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you orphaned. He will not abandon you. And know this, mm-hmm. that the hand of God is upon your life, but you have to give God permission in your life to work only what he can work, 
to do what only he can do so he can show you what you've never seen, so you will hear what you've never heard, so you would do what you've never done. And the Lord's heart for you is always the same. He's never changed his mind about you. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, who you've been with. It doesn't matter. What matters most is that God himself has invested himself in your life, and he has committed himself to finishing what he started, according to Philippians 1 and 6, that God himself has made it a point to start and to finish. He's not a quitter. He's not going to quit, and don't you quit. Know this, that where you are right now, you are right in the right place, in the right moment, in the right time and season, and God wants you to know that his, his desires for you are abundant and that your future is bright. And no matter how dark your past was, your, your past will never have the power to control your future unless you give your past consistent permission to control your life. So now is the time to say no more. Enough is enough. Mm. I will surrender. I surrender my life. I surrender my heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that I may walk as a person that will reflect his goodness, his grace, and who he is, so that the world may, those that come in contact with me in this world, that they will know that I, am a, that I have been touched by the living Christ. And for that reason, you can know that self-mastery is not difficult. It can be when we walk in our own strength. But self-mastery is not about self-doing it. It's about self-being yielded to Jesus. And when we give ourselves to him, we learn what it means to practice the presence of the Lord so that we can know at any moment, any time of our life, any season, that the Lord is with me, he is for me, and he himself has promised, he has promised me that he will finish what he started in my life. So my desire for every soul, every life, hopefully that's listened to this broadcast, that the Lord Jesus Christ has a door that's open in your heart and allow him not just to come into the front room of your heart, that him come throughout the whole the whole. Uh, house, the, the rooms, everything. Let him, let him take over. Give him the first place. Give him preeminence in your life and watch what begins to happen in your life. And for that, God bless you and God love you and I love you too. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. The mic has been dropped. Did you oh. drop the mic, Pastor D? <laughs> <laughs> drop the mic and exit left. Put God a mic. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Oh, my God. Wow. What an awesome, what an awesome time. Seriously. Well, my steam is built up. I'm good. (laughs) I feel, I know I feel complete. Amen. Uh, I'm good. It has been my pleasure. I've been so honored. And to God be all the glory. Well, we thank you so, so very much because we know how busy your schedule is, but for taking time out to to speak to to us, first and foremost, Uh, and to our listeners. Let me tell you this. I know you've been a couple seconds, but, you know, I got my grandson here with me, and, you know, it was nothing but the Holy Ghost that got that little rascal sleep. He's sleep (laughs) upstairs right now. I'm here by myself with my grandson. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Which one? Uh, Which one? Okay. I said, my son. All righty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he was crying no. a little bit. I don't know if y'all heard him in the background. And he was gone. Nope. He was gone. Like somebody hit him in the head with a hammer. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so, so very much. I just want to encourage our listeners. Um, we have a prayer conference coming up in two weeks. My God, I'm so psyched. Um, less than two weeks now. Um well, actually, no, it's actually two weeks, two and a half weeks away, and Pastor D is one of the speakers for the prayer conference. You guys do not want to miss it. You really, really don't. If you cannot make your way to Vegas, I am working on having the whole conference live streamed because um, I just believe that it is going to bless the lives of so many. So I am thankful. Thank you so much again for for taking your time out and and being on the air with us. I'm so grateful. Well, until next week, I want to thank my my lovely co-host, who was speechless this week. You know, Pastor, I got to tell you, you have definitely commanded a presence here because they're normally chattering up about a storm. So... um, (laughs) This has been awesome, awesome. This has been awesome. So I want to wish all of you an incredible week, and we will be with you again next week. Um, Same God channel, same God time. You guys have a blessed week. God bless you all. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.